Hello, I'm John Rossi, a touring drummer with a love of all things animal. When I'm on the road, I visit as many zoos, aquariums. Hey, wait a minute. What's going on? Hey, what's going on there? Hello? Hello? We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you Rossafari Zoo News. News you can use from the world of zoos and conservation. Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the latest episode of Rossafari Zoo News, where I bring you the news from the world of zoos, aquariums, conservation, and animal stuff in general. I am recording today's episode on Thursday, March 31st, 2022, which is my birthday. So that's really exciting for me. And I know that y'all can think of no better way to spend one's birthday than standing in a room by yourself with your podcast equipment set up on a dresser because you're playing a gig in some random part of the country and uh, talking to yourself into a microphone for a half hour. So yeah, I've got that going for me, which is nice. Uh, I'd also like to point out that this episode is releasing the day after my birthday, which is April Fool's Day. Uh, my mom always said that I was born just a little bit before April Fool's Day, which makes sense because I'm not a total fool, but I've definitely got some of that fool thing going on. So um, yeah, that's uh, a weird thing that I just said on my podcast because uh, I never really know how to start these episodes. So hey, there you go. But for those of you playing along at home, uh, I am currently gigging in Connecticut. I'm just here for this weekend uh, doing a show at Seven Angels in Waterbury, Connecticut. Uh, it's our Great Balls of Fire show. Pretty excited to be doing more of that around the country. Uh, the show I was doing in Arizona and stuff. And then after that, I am heading immediately back up to White River Junction, Vermont, to Northern Stage, where y'all know I did... Uh, MDQ earlier this year to play in the pit for Spamalot, which is a musical based on Monty Python's Holy Grail and that some of the members of Python, including uh, especially Eric Idle, uh, had a hand in developing for the stage. And so it is exactly as fun and ridiculous as you are probably picturing. So if you happen to be in the New England area, uh, come check it out. There, there's lots of good, lots of good zoos and aquariums up in that area as well. So uh, we're going to see if we can't get a couple of interviews while I'm spending some time up there. So Spamalot runs to the middle of May, and then after that, I'll be spending the entire month of June in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, back at the Dutch Apple with Great Balls of Fire. So uh, if you want to hear a rockin' good time, and especially if you're, you know, from my hometown area or live somewhere near near where I live now, uh, you can come and check that out. And uh, okay, that's, that's a whole lot of talking about not animals, so um, we should probably move on to the animal thing. I want to start off by reminding y'all that I am selling with my my good friend uh, Carissa at Peace, Love, and Tie-Dye, um, the incredible bandit, one-of-a-kind, unique design t-shirt that you can pick your own colors for and everything. Uh, you can go to peacelovetiedye.com, and it's T-I-E because they actually tie them up when they, they dye it. Um, and, uh, and you can check that out or just look at my Instagram because I'm posting about it pretty much every day. And, uh, it is a red panda approved shirt with the red panda on it. And, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting. So, uh, 
you can see all of that and on Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff. Make sure you're following along at Raw Safari. And don't forget that you can go to rawsafari.com to uh, listen to the pod and also just kind of check out a little bit about what I'm about and all that jazz. And uh, as a final reminder, this is a uh, semi-crowdsourced news podcast. So if you happen to see stories that you think would fit an episode of the podcast, feel free to uh, send them to me, rawsafaripod at gmail.com. DM them to me or tag me in them and I'll go and and search them out myself. Although I will tell you lately, um, for whatever reason, my social media presence has been growing a lot and and I've been getting a lot of comments and a lot of things. So if you tag me in a story and I don't comment thanking you or or heart it or something, um, you know, maybe if you if you happen to notice that, send it again or send it a different way because I'm I'm worried that I'm losing some stuff in the the current uptick of of social media interest. Although, as we all know, the algorithm will probably change tomorrow and suddenly I'll wonder why nobody is looking at any of my content because that's how social media works right now and one tries not to obsess about it, but um it's hard. Anyway, um yeah, here's an ad. Today's episode is brought to you by Daydreamers Studios. Do you have stories and expertise to share with the world? Have you ever thought about starting your own podcasts? There's no better time to start than now with the help of a trusted production partner. Daydreamer Studios is a full-service production company that takes all the stress off your plate. You can focus on creating engaging content while they focus on recording, editing, audio engineering, hosting, and publishing on 22 platforms. Log into the advanced remote system with one click and the Daydreamer team will be on the other end ready for you to record everything you have to say. Owned and operated by Daydreamer Network, Daydreamer Studios continues on the company's mission to empower storytellers of all kinds by making podcasting accessible to all. For more information and current promotions, visit daydreamernetwork.com studios. All right, and with all that said, I think it is time. Let's get to it. Zoo news, zoo news. It's the news that's about zoo, zoo news. Whoa, 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 whoa. All right, so we're going to start off our uh, zoo news time this evening or afternoon or morning or night. I don't know when you listen to this podcast. Stop harassing me. It's my birthday. <laughs> anyway, we're going to start this off by talking about some exciting news out of the UK. Two Galapagos tortoises have hatched at Crocodiles of the World, which is the first successful breeding of the species at any zoo in the UK. Had you confused for a second because I paused before saying, in the UK, didn't I? But yeah, it's really exciting. They're really cute little tortoises that are going to get to be really big tortoises. And uh, currently, there are three females and one male named Dirk that live at Crocodiles of the World. And now they have been joined by their two tiny little babies. This is a really exciting, exciting time for tortoise conservation in the UK. Next, I'm going to report on something that kind of annoys the poop out of me, but you know, we do what we do here. Uh, as y'all know, I love me some Cincinnati Zoo. They are a truly wonderful place. And um, recently, there has been a bit of an attack from a group called In Defense of Animals. Now, 
In Defense of Animals are one of these animal rights activist groups, and they use that term, but I really hate it because they don't actually seem to understand or have the best interest of animals, you know, in, in their hearts. I mean, that's not true. They they have, I'm sure that they believe that they are trying to do the right thing, but they're not. Um, and they're very anti-captivity in, in all cases. And um, they've recently said that the Cincinnati Zoo elephant enclosure is not fit for elephants and is one of the worst in the I don't know, country or world or something. First of all, Cincy is currently working on a brand new, hugely expanded elephant area that's going to be amazing. And second of all, it's the Cincinnati Zoo. They're doing amazing work with their elephants. I only bring this up in case any of you have seen this because it has gone a little bit viral. And, um, yeah, they are a group that is just inaccurate, misinformed, and have a bunch of extremists when it comes to animal welfare, which is is not a great thing. So if you happen to see that, don't worry, don't freak out, don't tell me about it or ask me about it, uh, you know, unless you haven't heard this podcast, it's fine. But uh, I will tell you that the elephants at Cincy are not only being very well taken care of, but are also getting an expanded habitat and are going to be in even uh, more luxurious homes fairly soon. Now, on the complete opposite side of things, the, and I'm going to butcher this, I'm sure, but the Padmaja Naidu Himalayan Zoological Park has released red pandas from their captive breeding program to their soft release facility at Garibans to Singalila National Park. So that's really exciting. Uh, basically, they are a zoo that will do some breeding for wild release, and then they do what's called a soft release, which means the pandas are still in a protected area of the forest, but they're out there and they're on their own and they're being monitored. But uh, they're basically showing that they can survive in the wild. And if they show that they can, then they'll get to go out into the wild. So um, yay, new red pandas in the wild. Woo! Okay, so, you know, red pandas are a very charismatic species. Um, but whenever I'm at the San Diego Zoo, there is a species that lives in the same area as the red pandas, literally right across from the exhibit where Cola currently lives. And uh, it's this hoofstock species that just kind of exists as a hoofstock species. But for whatever reason, they are so cute and charming and charismatic. And I have so many pictures and videos of them. And I'm obsessed. And this is the Takin. And the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance recently announced that the first ever male Takin born in the Western Hemisphere has been born at the zoo. As a matter of fact, if you look online a little bit, you can actually find videos because it happened when the zoo was open and all of a sudden, poof, there was a baby Takin. I'm sure that's not how the mother felt about it, but that's what it looked like to guests that were there to witness this incredible and historic birth. Make sure you check out the Instagram and Facebook because I will definitely post some videos and photos of Takin in general because they are amazing and adorable and I want you to see what they are. Sadly, it was after I was back on the East Coast that this little tot was born, so I don't have any pics, but you can check them out by hitting up at San Diego Zoo. I kind of, I hesitate to bring up the, the whole situation going on in Ukraine right now because, um... There just seems to be a lot of misinformation and 
contrasting information, like different stories about the same animals saying different things. But I do have two reports that I want to share, one of which is very sad, which is that a zookeeper who was staying at a zoo in Ukraine and taking care of animals died uh, from Russian bombing. And that is a huge loss and, and just goes to show exactly how willing to give up and sacrifice, in this case, literally a life zookeepers are for their own animals. Uh, but on a happier note, uh, there are a lot of animals that are getting evacuated from Ukraine and it's going well. There are some big cats from some zoos. There are some kangaroos. There are a ton of stories out there. And like I said, a lot of them are kind of hard to verify. I, I have a hard time buying into the belief that there is a a tiger running around Ukraine that got loose from a zoo that is only attacking Russian troops. Um, this isn't the walking dead folks. This is real life. Uh, you know, I guess it is possible, but eh, I'm hesitant to, to say that though. I have seen the reports and, and people have sent it to me and I, I appreciate y'all sending me anything so that I can vet it. Uh, that's very cool. But, but yeah, the, the, there are some animals that every day it seems more and more are are getting evacuated and uh, the Yaza money and food have managed to make it to um, Kiev and the other zoos where they have been sent. And uh, yeah, things are things are looking up while still being rough for the animals and the zoo staffs in Ukraine. But uh, as always, I, I send, you know, my, my thoughts and love uh, to those poor people and poor, poor animals. The Denver Zoo is really excited to announce a bit of a baby boom for bongos. Bongo baby boom! There's probably a drum joke in here since I play bongos, but I'm talking about the hoofstock, not the the Matthew McConaughey naked on a porch drums that um, I play professionally sometimes, not naked and not on a porch. Probably. All right, all right. But anyway, uh, there are currently two new baby bongos at the Denver Zoo named Winston and Doug, which I don't know. Sometimes I really love just like basic human names going to animals. So here for it. Congrats to the Denver Zoo on these two amazing births as bongos are critically endangered and uh, every new one helps. And while we're talking about births, I oftentimes don't do too many just kind of, you know, normal births because animals mate at zoos and then babies come. It's not always newsworthy. But um, the first ever maned wolf pups have been born at the Audubon Zoo. And this is exciting because, A, it's a really cool species that I love and that you've heard a lot about on the podcast. But it also gave me kind of a segue into something that I've wanted to talk about for a minute here, um, which is if you look at baby canids, and I'm not just talking about dogs here, but I'm talking about maned wolves. I'm talking about regular wolves. I'm talking about jackals. And, and yes, I've seen some baby jackals recently and they are adorable. But here's the thing. They all kind of just look like puppies, like little, little puppies, right? And the reason I am telling you that is because that is also true of baby foxes. And there has been a bit of a trend lately of people finding baby foxes who are being cared for by their parents who are incredibly skittish and will, will run off after yelling at you uh, if you, you find their pups and taking them in and, and thinking, oh, we've, we found some abandoned dog 
you know, domesticated dog puppies. And so taking them to a shelter or whatever and being like, boom, saved these puppies. I'm awesome. And then the people are like, holy crap, you just pulled a bunch of baby foxes out of the wild. So I'm telling you this not only to congratulate Audubon Zoo and hey, congratulations, Audubon Zoo, but also to tell you that if you do happen to find some puppies, make darn sure that you found actual abandoned domesticated dog puppies and not foxes or wolves or jackals. You're, you're, if you're listening to this, you probably are not going to find jackals. But, you know, I'm just saying, in general, just be careful because sometimes when we try to help, we end up just doing a lot more damage. And it sucks when that happens because... Man, I love anyone who has a heart for animals and wants to help. But um, yeah, sometimes it can cause damage. So just something to be aware of. Five zoos in Canada, including the Toronto Zoo, Calgary Zoo, Granby Zoo, Asabanoin Park Zoo. Boy, I don't know if I said that correctly. I wanted to call it the Asinine Zoo, but that's probably not it. And the Montreal Biodome are currently teaming up with the AZA to support a bit of legislation in Canada known as the Jane Goodall Act. The idea behind this legislation is that it is uh, something that's set up to help protect wild animals that live in captivity. Some of the animals protected include big cats, bears, wolves, seals, sea lions, walruses, certain monkeys, and dangerous reptiles such as crocodiles and giant pythons. Uh, these rules that would be be passed into law here um, just make it a little bit harder for people to mistreat or own these animals when they shouldn't, while they would not have any effect on properly accredited facilities such as the Toronto Zoo and other zoos mentioned in this, well, by me just now. So yeah, so um, if you are Canadian, encourage your legislators. I guess that's what you guys have up there. I'm not, this isn't a civics uh, podcast. It's, it's a, it's a conservation podcast. And even then I barely know what I'm talking about because I'm a drummer. Um, but yeah, encourage your people who have power to uh, support the Jane Goodall Act. And why do laws like this matter? Well, a 50 year old man has been attacked by a tiger in Florida. No, this isn't an update on the Naples Zoo situation, which was unfortunate, but as we mentioned, the zoo was found to be absolutely not at fault. Though, as a quick update to that story, the person who got mauled by the tiger apparently got off with no charges because the... Uh prosecutor's office couldn't actually find any specific laws that were violated, and oh boy do I have thoughts about that. But anyway, moving on. Uh, dude got mauled, so like, you know, there was some penalty paid. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, this tiger lived at Wooten's Airboats in Ochopee in the Everglades. Yeah, doesn't exactly sound like the most uh, AZA accredited facility I've I've ever heard of. Um, yeah, it's it's an airboat tour place that has a, a tiger. And what happened? Well, while the keeper was feeding the tiger, another employee who was not authorized to be with the tiger just happened to enter the enclosure. Weirdly, the tiger decided to defend its territory and attack the man. 
impressively, the tiger's keeper was actually able to safely get the tiger off the man and contain it uh, because, you know, I I guess even at at places that maybe shouldn't have tigers, the the keepers still have a really cool connection with their animals sometimes. And I I do respect that. And because of that fact, uh, the tiger was not harmed. So um, there's a slight positive to this story. But um, yeah, y'all just stop the whole trying to get in with tigers illegally in Florida thing. How has this become a thing? I was in Florida for months, and as much as I love animals, I didn't even break into any tiger enclosures that made made it on the news. No, I'm kidding. Of course, I would never do that. But yeah, so let's let's stop this new trend. Yes? Oh, and um, speaking of murdery pets, a man in Virginia was recently bitten by a deadly African pit viper he was keeping as a pit. The African pit viper, also known as the Gaboon viper, is one of the most venomous snakes in the world. Uh, It's an African snake, and um, even though it is super duper venomous, it is usually not aggressive unless provoked. Um, But in this case, uh, it was aggressive. Not sure why. But you may be wondering, why is this in Zoo News? Well, when the man was taken to the medical center that he went to in Richmond, Virginia, um, they treated him with antivenom that was supplied by the Smithsonian National Zoo and the Virginia Aquarium and Marine Science Center in Virginia Beach. Milking snakes, keeping antivenom, all that kind of stuff, um, along with all of the cool genetic stuff and behind-the-scenes conservation news is the exact kind of thing that I always try to spotlight on this podcast because uh, it's another way that conservation organizations, including zoos and aquariums, uh, are helping the community as well as, um, obviously, the animals that they are helping. And as you know, they also help animals, not just the ones that they have, but also wild animals sometimes. For instance, what a great segue that was, the North Carolina Zoo has added an adorable brother-sister black bear cub duo to their facility recently. They were rescued from the mountains of North Carolina, but um, they're not going to be permanent residents uh, unless there's some kind of problem with them because the infant bear cubs are being nursed by zoo officials with the plans to rehab them and release them back into the wild. And again, I just need to point out how selfless of an act this is. These aren't animals that are going to be on exhibit. These aren't animals that are, you know, that the zoo's being paid to take care of. They just agreed to help out these animals and then re-release them, despite the fact that it's going to cost them, you know, resources, money, effort, all that good stuff. I guess if you haven't figured it out yet, um, I like zoos. <laughs> Stereotypical animal podcast theme song Here to bring you to conservation news Okay, y'all, I have been sitting on this story for a while and I am so excited about this. On Thursday, March 24th, the government of Indonesia announced the birth of a female Sumatran rhino at the Sumatran Rhino Sanctuary, Wei Kambas National Park, which is in Lampung province in Indonesia. I am so excited about this for so many reasons. First of all, this is the first calf ever born at the Sumatran Rhino Sanctuary, which is a really big deal, and now means that there are eight rhinos living at the sanctuary. The baby also represents the first 
birth since the Sumatran government has decided to get involved to try to help increase the Sumatran rhino population. So maybe a good sign that what they're doing is working? I'll take it. But that's not the only reason I'm excited about this, and that's not why I've been sitting on it for a while since this happened like a week ago. Y'all know Paul Reinhardt. He's been on the podcast multiple times. If you're forgetting the name, he's primarily the, the red panda keeper at the Cincinnati Zoo in our little podcast world. Obviously, he takes care of other animals, but you've heard him on his own episode and the road trip episode and, and all that good stuff. Well, Paul is insanely passionate about rhinos and rhino conservation. And so when he found out that this birth was likely to happen, Paul made the trip across the world to the Sumatran Rhino Sanctuary to assist with the birth. When he told me that this was happening and he said I couldn't put it on here until it was public, I was so proud of him and so excited about this journey. Paul has been posting a couple of photos from his time over there, and I am so proud and so jealous all at once. And um, it's just, uh, I can't wait to hear this full story from him. And of course, I'm going to try to get him to talk about it on here. Uh, but, but for now, I just need to say, first of all, to everyone involved in the process, congratulations. But also, Paul Reinhardt. You are such an amazing human. Thank you for being a part of this birth. Thank you for being such a amazing voice, such a powerful voice for conservation always. And thank you for being just so selfless and so giving all the time. I am so proud of you, sir. Los Angeles County Parks have recently announced a change to their Renaissance Fair. And if that ain't conservation, I don't know what is. No, let me explain. Okay, so they are changing their entire parking situation at the fair to accommodate a pair of burrowing owls that have moved into the meadow near the fair, which is often used for overflow parking. So the rule is now that if you're going to get to the fair, you need to arrive by 9.30 a.m. so that they can effectively and efficiently park everyone without taking any of the area needed for the living space of the burrowing owls or, or threatening them. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you show up early, they are going to present you with a unique show at the main gate promptly at 9.45 a.m. That is only being done at that time every day in order to encourage people to show up on time to help these little burrowing owls. This is the kind of story that I just love so much. All right, so before I get to this next story, I just need to give you a little heads up. If you hear anything weird in the background, it's because my bass player, Ben Shepard, is in the room next to me warming up his voice for our show tonight while I'm recording this podcast. And hey, that's life on the road, y'all. So um, I'm going to do my best to, to block it out here. But uh, if you hear some beautiful vocals behind you, it's just Ben warming up for the show. Anyway... Um, there is a new Orca listening post that has been installed in the Puget Sound, and this is a pretty cool idea. It's this, um, this gathering of three hydrophones that rests on the sea bottom, recording the sounds of Puget Sound, including the endangered southern orcas that live there. Um, this is attached to a buoy that marks the location of the listening post, and it's about a mile offshore. 
It's going to be there for three months in a proof-of-concept experiment to determine if hydrophones and software can readily pick up the sounds of orcas, record underwater noise, and share the data through a cellular transmitter. The hope is that if this works out, listening arrays can be deployed around areas where humans and whales tend to interact, often to the detriment of the whales, and that way um, the Washington State ferries and other types of ships can avoid the areas where the orcas are, uh, kind of by knowing where they're at in live time based on hearing their song and figuring out their location from that. It's really, really cool. I, I really hope this works. All right, so we all know that there are some supply chain issues going on globally right now due to, you know, the world being on fire and, and all that stuff. Um, and one place that is being affected is the Ratiti Elephant Sanctuary in northern Kenya. One of the problems that they're facing is that the baby elephants there, which have all lived off of the same powdered formula used for human infants... Uh, they've been unable to get that powder any uh, more because of the supply chains, and it's becoming a real concern. the The baby elephants that live there are all ones that have been abandoned or you know needed to be adopted, and um, they're there to live out their lives and and be protected. But you need to feed them, you know. That's kind of the part of the whole protection thing: feeding them and then uh, jumping up on stage and punching Chris Rock if he makes a joke about them. No, wait, that's a different kind of protection thing. <laughs> Too soon? Too soon? I couldn't help myself. Anyway, the sanctuary realized that local goats were around and goats have milk. So because of all of the issues with the supply chain because of the pandemic, they decided to try an experiment where they started feeding the baby elephants with local goat milk. And the results have been impressive. Since starting with the goat's milk, the sanctuary has seen survival rates rise for its youngest and most vulnerable elephants. Turns out that the goat's milk was a perfect solution. Um, they had already done some research into this. They had thought about it before, and uh, they had learned that uh, goat's milk is actually easier for elephants to digest. So it works all the way around. Um, the elephants are doing great. The people are doing well. And the money that was going out of the country to get baby formula is now staying not only within the country, but within their local community and to go farmers and such. They've actually started calling the women who uh, own the goat milk, milk mamas. And for a lot of these milk mamas, it is the first time that they've been able to open bank accounts and save money and even send their children to school and get health care for their families. So this is just amazing all around. I love it when both the community and the animals benefit from conservation work. It's time for other news. It's time for other news. Hey, all right now, then now it's time. It's time for other news. Hey, it's a segue to the park on other news. All right, so um, I'm going to be quick on this one because, again, it's my birthday and I need to go, you know, play a show and then go do birthday things. And uh, this episode's running a little long, which I love. I love spending time with you all digitally, but I have to go live in the real world now. So um, one story really quick that is worth mentioning, though, is that for the first time ever, get ready for this, it's very exciting, microplastics have been found in human blood. Woo! 
wait, that's a bad thing. Yes, it is, folks. In fact, we've known for a while that humans do consume microplastics, which are really small particles of plastic because, you know, single-use plastics, we use them. They, they're, they're a big problem. We talk about it a lot on here. You know this. Cool. Now, for the first time ever, it is actually proven that some of them are getting into human blood. Is this a new thing? Is this just a thing that we have discovered because we can do better analysis of the blood now? Uncertain. Isn't that fun? Um, But at the end of the day, what I am telling you is that for the first time ever, we know that microplastics are getting into human blood, and that is not going to be a good thing for humans, which are animals and also are us. So maybe the next time that, that you're considering if, if you want to take some steps to reduce your single-use plastics, uh, yeah, remember this story and, and try try to do that. And again, this is said in a very non-judgmental way. I have made some great life choices where I've, I've started using reusable straws and reusable bags and a reusable water bottle. And then, you know, sometimes I'm out on the road and I really like these drinks called sparkling ices. And I get a few and they come in plastic bottles and I feel guilty. And then I try to reuse them as water bottles, even though I have a reusable water bottle. And I make sure that I recycle them. Although, as we all know, half the time you don't know if your recycling is actually getting recycled and stuff. But the point is to not feel guilty, but to constantly strive to do a little bit better. Like you heard in last week's episode, Every little bit of plastic detritus that you see out there is a choice that someone made. And uh, anytime that you can make not that choice, you're, you're making the world a little bit better of a place. I know that there's a lot of talk right now about how the small conservation work that we can do doesn't seem like it's going to be enough when big corporations are doing big crappy things. But um, every time that you're driving by the side of the road and you see a plastic bag floating along. That's a choice that someone made. And if you start to think about it that way and you you look as you're driving or, or walking or anywhere, really, you'll start to see how many of those choices get made every day and how you cannot be a part of it sometimes. And like I said, you don't have to be perfect. I'm preaching. I hate when I get preachy, but I love you all. Okay. Oh, animal, animal. All right. So April is Ape Awareness Month and National Frog Month. And we've got a couple of things coming up this week. Uh, Namely, the 4th to the 8th is National Wildlife Week. And then on April 1st, it's World Water Frog Day. The 2nd is National Ferret Day. The 4th is World Rat Day. And the 7th is International Beaver Day. And I kind of like the fact that I, I like frogs and, and ferrets and rats all as possible pets. I might have to go celebrate some of these days at Petco. Pro- probably shouldn't. We actually just got uh, two new gerbils. Their names are Tika and Masala, and they're adorable, and I should probably keep it at that for now. But also, this seems like a really good week to buy some frogs and rats and maybe a ferret. Kind of as a belated birthday gift to myself? No? Okay, anyway, those are your animal holidays for the week. 
And there we have it, folks. Another week of Rossafari Zoo News is in the books. I'd like to say thanks to Laura Shank, my Red Panda-level patron, and also say thank you to the people who contributed to this week's episode. Anya Keen, Colleen Lenahan, Kim Cooley, Crystal Chapman, Michael Sebastian, Jacob Cafes, Kristen Khalil, Holly Schmidt, and Paul Reinhardt. Again, proud of you, Paul, and also everyone else, but you know, y'all ain't out there saving rhinos, so he gets a special shout out. But thank you all for contributing so much. I got this episode done with about three minutes until I have to leave for my show, so uh, living the dream, friends, living the dream. But seriously, I want to thank you all for um, being a part of this this journey, and uh, it's been so cool celebrating with so many of you on my birthday um, online and, and just everywhere. Thank you all so much for being such a part of what's really become an amazing community in my world. I I love you all. And with that said, please keep in mind that the words newsy credits backwards are Steiderk Yeswen. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley-Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.